the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today, as we continue with our study in the book of Acts, Paul's team finally arrives in Jerusalem and they are greeted with open arms. But the leaders also try to deal with some false rumors by asking Paul to do something unnecessary. And this leads to even more trouble. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 21, verse 21. The title of the message is, The Problem with Gossip. I have zero tolerance for gossip when I hear it. My early Christian life, I got saved at at Calvary Assembly just down the road, but that was too big for my family. And so we had some friends of ours that attended a little tiny church in Lake Mary. And so we started going there and that was where I really started to grow. In that little tiny church, over the six, seven years I attended there, I watched it split twice. Little tiny church, 50 people, 60, 70 people. I watched it split twice and both times over gossip. Both times over gossip. And I developed a deep hatred for it. Anytime somebody came to me and said, well, you know the pastor, I said, well, let's go talk to him. And their face would go white. If you got the courage to say it to me, then you've got the courage to say it to them. And if you don't have the courage to say it to them, then you need to repent because you're in sin. That's what the Bible says. If you have a problem with someone, what are you supposed to do first? Put it on the internet for everybody to see, right? Right? Just go talk to your brother one-on-one in private. Why? So you might win your brother. That's the goal, to win them over. So don't listen to gossip. But second, if you hear someone gossiping them, I don't know any other way to say this gently, but rebuke them, okay? Tell them, stop. Don't do that. That's wrong, okay? That's wrong. Don't do that. There are times, when, and I don't know if any of you have been a recipient of it, where I've, I've heard conversations and I will come in and I will lean down and I will go, are we honoring the person we're talking about right now? Because if we're not, you need to stop. And you see eyes get real big, you know, whatever. You know, I just, I don't have any tolerance for it because I've seen great people be ripped apart over some of the dumbest things and probably 75% things that aren't even true. Aren't even true. They're an embellishment. I don't know what James and the elders of the church did to confront this slander, but I believe their solution was very cowardly because it puts all the risk on Paul. They said, what is it there for? Verse 22, in other words, what are we going to do? You know, well, what's the solution here? We, we can't get you out of town quietly. The multitude must needs come together for they will hear that you are come, okay? 
We're going to have church still, and they're all going to know you're here. So what are we going to do? We can't just hide you. We can't just get you out of town quietly. Now, to the credit, these guys obviously didn't believe the rumors, but in realizing they couldn't keep his visit a secret, they thought to address it through action rather than through clear instruction. And this is the second problem with gossip, and it almost always creates more problems than really exist. Almost always creates more problems than really exist. The cowardly way out always creates more problems than dealing with the situation head on. At the end of his life, Paul would challenge a young, fearful pastor, Timothy, on being courageous in his approach to ministry in 2 Timothy 4.2, where he says these words. He says to him, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Teach them, teach them. When a situation comes up, teach them. I remember when I was in the restaurant industry and we went to a, um, just a class on how to, it was a workshop conference on you know, how to interact with your staff, how to be a better leader and how to handle situations. And of course, one of the number one situations that comes up if you're in management where you have a, a, a large workforce is the person who doesn't wear deodorant when they come to work. So-and-so smells, you know, so-and-so has body odor. And that's an awkward conversation because you're like, you don't just want to walk by and go, hey, you smell, can you fix it? So what do we do? We do do subtle things, you know? We put, you know, some old spice on their desk, you know? Or, you know, there are ways we just don't want to confront it. And so I remember we're at this conference and he's like, we're going to teach you how to confront the all difficult issue of the coworker who has body odor. And and, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be great. And so at the very end, the guy gets up and he's like, okay, here's how you tackle the issue of body odor. He goes, you say it. You invite them into your office and you say it. It has been brought to my attention that you have body odor. You need to fix this situation. (laughs) Why? Because all those other ways, those cowardly ways of dealing with it, they're going to hurt somebody. Somebody's going to get hurt in the process. Paul says, do it with instruction, not this subtle way. So here's their idea, verse 23. Do this, therefore, that we say unto you, we have four men which have a vow on them. Take them and and purify yourselves with them and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you also walk orderly and you keep the law. Now, there was nothing wrong with these guys taking a vow. Remember, these are Jews through and through. This is all a part of their culture and heritage, okay? Paul actually still did some of these things. You remember when he had his, he shaved his head in Centria because he had taken a vow just a few chapters earlier, I think chapter 17, after he left Corinth. So there's nothing wrong with them doing that. This would be a vow of consecration. They would say, Lord, for the next four months, my life is yours. I'm gonna, I'm gonna serve in kids' ministry or whatever it might be. I'm gonna serve in this area or I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I'm, I'm, I'm focusing more on this. And so at the end of that time, they would shave their head and then they would offer their hair as an offering to the Lord, signifying that that time belonged to them. They didn't cut their hair during that time. And so all the hair that grew signified that time that was devoted to the Lord. And they would have to go through ritual purifications, baptisms and things like that during these Jewish rituals that they would go through. And so they're asking Paul to support them by having his own head shaved and then to pay for their offerings. Now, up to this point, there's not really a big deal with what they're asking. And they're just asking Paul to, to support these brothers. But they betray their mentality in the expected result. For they say, and then all will know or may know that those things whereof they are informed concerning you are nothing, 
How about you just get up in front of the church and go, okay, guys, you've been hearing rumors about Paul. They're not true. Okay, let's move on. Acts 22. I mean, that's the easy way you take care of it. There's none of this mess where you say, let's prove to everybody through this subtle way that, you know, that way, nobody gets hurt. Oh, yeah, except for Paul, who's almost going to die. What about all those Gentiles that came with Paul? This probably confused him quite a bit. What they were hoping this would prove is not that Paul loved the Jerusalem Christians, which is why Paul had a policy of to the Jews that became a Jew and to, the, you know, to those that weren't. So Paul had a policy. If he was in a home and they put pork in front of him, he didn't go, I'm Jewish, I don't eat pork, he'd eat the pork. But if you know, he went into a home and they were having their Shabbat service on Friday and Saturday and, and he would do through all that, he didn't go, we don't have to do this anymore. We're saved by the blood of Christ alone. Wherever he was at, he adjusted himself so that they would be open to the gospel. But here, their heart is not to show love. Their heart here is to show he's a good law keeper. But God doesn't require us to keep the civil and ceremonial parts of the law anymore. All of those parts of the law were shadows pointing forward to the substance of Christ. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, if you want to turn there real quick, it's after... Philippians, Colossians 2, read verses 13 through 17 to you. Colossians 2, 13 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that condemned us, and that was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, in his cross. Let no man therefore judge you in food or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. I don't need to celebrate Passover anymore. Christ is my Passover. I celebrate him every day. I don't need to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles anymore. I'm looking forward to the day when Christ is gonna come and rule and reign, and then we're gonna celebrate that forever. He is the substance. That was a shadow pointing forward to him. Now, is there anything wrong with doing those things? No. If you wanna have a Passover, celebrate it, that's fine. But you don't have to anymore because Christ fulfilled it. The only part of God's law that remains is the moral laws because they were around before the laws were given. None of this was necessary if they had just stood with Paul in front of the congregation. But rather than confront the problem, James and the other pastors try to prove to the church that Paul's a good Christian because he keeps the law. I mean, that's what they're trying to prove. See, here's a third problem with gossip. It constrains us to take unnecessary actions. We start acting on unreality. We start acting, trying to fix things that aren't really problems yet. And and as a result, as I said earlier, just create more problems. Our walks with the Lord should be judged based on our obedience to the gospel and the fruit of the spirit that true faith produces. Oh, the problems caused by gossip and the lack of courage to confront it. Now, Paul, in verse 26 in Acts, he agrees to their proposal. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself with them, he entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until an offering should be offered for every one of them. Now, why did Paul do it? He said, well, this is such a bad thing. Well, remember his policy was, to the Jews I became as a Jew. And if this is something that would bless them, his heart was to bless them. And so he's not lying or he's not making them think he's more Jewish than he really is. Paul still kept a lot of these things. But his mindset was that if it would help him reach his own people better, then he'd do it. 
he'd do it. Now, because of that, Paul shouldn't be blamed for what's about to occur. I believe the fault lies with those that asked him, and the fallout is nasty. Verse 27. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and they laid hands on him. That's not the good laying on of hands. Paul is in the temple on the last day here of their purification. So he's with these guys, these young men. And the word their temple actually means the outer court. So the ritual hadn't started yet. He's actually in the court of the women. He's simply there waiting for his time to be called into the inner court, the court of the men, where he would come in and he would fulfill this ritual with them. But it mentions that on the final day of this ritual, that something happened. It says, the Jews which were of Asia, these are not believing Jews, okay? These are part of those Judaizers, okay? These guys who were familiar with Paul from his ministry in Asia Minor. They may have even been some of those who had instigated his stoning at Iconium. So these are guys that really hated Paul, and they recognize him in there with these other believers, and it says that they stirred up all the people. They started this riot. They got him into this confused situation, and they laid hands on him. They attacked him, and they seized him. And while they're doing so, they're crying out, men of Israel, help, help. You got one guy against a bunch of dudes, and they're crying, help. This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Same accusations that were leveled against Jesus. Same accusations that were leveled against Stephen. And furthermore, he has brought Greeks also into the temple and has polluted the holy place. For they had seen him beforehand in the city that Trophimus was with him. He's an Ephesian whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. Supposed. Do you see that there? Presupposition. Now, Gentile persons weren't permitted to go beyond the designated court of the Gentiles on the temple ground. Signs were posted in Latin and Greek everywhere, which read, no foreigner may enter within the barricade which surrounds the temple and enclosure. Anyone who's caught trespassing will bear personal responsibility for his ensuing death. You were Gentile and you were caught inside beyond the court of the Gentiles and you'd be killed on sight. The Romans had authorized the Jews to execute anyone that broke this law, which is very rare that the Romans would give that charge to these people. So for these guys to rush in, this is a setup, to rush in and now all of a sudden spread these rumors that Paul has brought Gentiles into the court of the Gentiles, that's a big deal. And unfortunately, Paul isn't given a chance to defend himself. Verse 30, all the city was moved. They started a riot. Sound familiar? Started a riot and the people ran together. They couldn't get him off the grounds quick enough to stone him. They ran together and they took Paul and dragged him out of the temple and immediately they shut the doors. And their hope is they're gonna kill him right out here, stone him to death. Not only does gossip cause problems that don't even exist, cause bigger problems. Not only does it, it cause us to take unnecessary action, not only does it cause us to give less weight to the good things that we know about somebody, but it also convinces people to do horrible things. It convinces people to do horrible things. They're about to kill a guy. They don't even know what they're there for. All because of the rumors that these guys have spread about Paul. Well, thankfully, God intervenes. Verse 31 as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band of the army that was there at Jerusalem 
that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. Now, this captain would be headquartered in the Tower of Antonia, a fortress, right at the, uh, at the northwest corner of the Temple Mount. More than 500 soldiers would be garrisoned just two flights of stairs from the court of the Gentiles. This noise would have reached their ears immediately. And as news gets to this guy that something's going on, it was very easy to verify its truth. And so he immediately sends soldiers to quell the riot. Verse 32, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain, that's the Jews there, saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating Saul. So while they were getting ready to stone him, they'd been beating him to a pulp. Just like Stephen. Just like Jesus. People even now today are experiencing that and death all around the globe. I've never experienced that. I've never been beaten up for my faith in Christ. I've never had my life threatened for my faith in Christ. And if Paul was willing to die for his faith, can I at least be willing to live for it? To say, Lord, here's my life. We sang that song today. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours. Is that our prayer? Lord, I just give you everything. The last thing about gossip is it confers pain on those that we should love and protect. What kind of beating do others take because of my gossip? And why is it that we take such pleasure in it? Why are our ears so eager to hear the juicy tidbits that rip others down? In Proverbs 18.8, it actually uses those words. It says that the words of a talebearer, it says they're like wounds and they go down into the innermost part of the belly. It says that they're like tasty morsels, gossip. You know, that's why we have channels that are all about gossip. We have shows, Entertainment Tonight, it's all about gossip, right? What's the newest scoop on, I don't even know who the new cool person is. Why are you so eager for these juicy tidbits? Ephesians 5, 29 tells us, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building someone up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And let me ask us this morning, can we commit to doing that as a church? To being a church that says, I'm not gonna listen to tasty morsels. I'm gonna let no corrupt communication come out of my mouth, but rather I am going to only speak that which edifies and builds up other people. Can you imagine what it'd be like when you met somebody for the first time and all you've heard about them is what an awesome person they are? Can you imagine how that would change your first interaction with them? Rather than, oh, that's the person that XYZ is going on. Can you imagine how others would see us differently if we lived that way? You know, right now, unfortunately, I'm not speaking of our church, but the church in general doesn't look a whole lot different than the world. And so people out there are like, why do I need your Jesus? I mean, you, get, you got the same junk I do. Your marriage is a wreck. You're discontent at your job. You're emotionally up and down all the time. Why would I want what you have? I've already got it. <laughs> but when other people, they're talking about somebody else, they say, hey, you know what, you know what? Don't talk about them like that. I've I've known them for years and and, and I love this about them and I love this about them. And maybe they do have shortcomings, but you go, I love this about them. When I worked for the school system, man, news traveled quicker than lightning. Because, you know, because you got to know the scoop, what this teacher did or what this person did or what that principal did or what that manager did. So you would get together and, and you'd have meetings. There's supposed to be meetings about deciding policy or whatever. And you'd get together. What would it be about? Did you hear what so and so did? Oh, yeah. They didn't serve the tater tots like they were supposed to. 
they put salt on them. And I would try my best. I would say, yeah, you know what I love about that? I would, that this is the way words I usually use when someone complains about somebody. I say, you know what I love about that person? I love that they're this, this, and this. That shuts people up real quick. I want people to see Jesus in me. Do you know what the most easy conversation to have with somebody is? It's one where you complain about a mutual problem, right? Requires no depth to do that. Well, I'm awkward. I don't know what to say to them. Well, we both hate our boss. Let's talk about the boss. It's easy. You don't go anywhere. You'd stay right on the surface. You don't have to get to anything meaningful and important. And, and you walk away and you don't really, really build a relationship with that person. That's why the Lord tells us to not to murmur, not to complain, not to gossip. Well, then the chief chaplain, he came near and he took Paul. He arrested him. That's what the word took means. And he commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. My whole thought behind this is where were the Christians? Where were these four brothers he was sponsoring? Why is Paul left by himself? And you know, I wonder, I just wonder, if the fact that James and the other pastors didn't challenge the congregation to repent of listening to the gossip, that that had to contribute in some way to the fact that not a single believer came to Paul's aid. Not a single one. Well, some cried one thing and some another among the multitude, and when he could not know the certainty because of the tumult, the confusion, he commanded them to be carried into the castle, the fortress there. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the people. I mean, they were still trying to get at him. For the multitude of the people followed after crying, away with him. And as Paul was led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, can I talk to you? And the guy was shocked because he said, can you speak Greek? He says, are you not that Egyptian, which before these days made a, an uproar, insurrection, and led out into the wilderness 4,000 men that were murderers, literally assassins? He's convinced Paul is this Egyptian who had, was a self-proclaimed prophet who in about five or six years prior to that had caused a riot in Jerusalem. He had led an army of 30,000 zealots of which 4,000 were trained assassins and he would claim that the walls of Jerusalem would fall down at his command. Well, they gathered on the Mount of Olives ready to assault the city and Felix, the Roman governor, sent his own army out to disperse them. They killed a bunch of them, but the Egyptian had escaped. So he, th he thinks that's who he is. And the Jews are beating him up because they're just tired of problems being caused. And so Paul said, no, I'm, I'm a man of which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. Tarsus is a, a big Roman city. And I beseech you, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him permission, license, Paul stood in the stairs and he beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there, there was made a great silence, he spoke unto them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, come back next Sunday. You know, Paul, I, my heart breaks because he thinks this is his moment, his chance to tell his full story to his people. And finally, with their full attention, they'll understand and they'll receive their Messiah. But like I said, to find out what happens, you gotta come back next week. So listen, gossip, it causes pain to those that we should be loving and protecting. It causes us to take unnecessary action. It, it creates all sorts of problems that didn't even exist. It makes problems even worse that already existed. And, and it causes us to, to undervalue the good things we know about people. But the solution to gossip, it's simple. It's just love, okay? And love looks like 1 Corinthians 13, verses four, through the beginning of verse eight. 1 Corinthians 13, verses four, through the beginning of verse eight. But it says, love suffers long, it's patient. 
Love is kind. It's nice. Love does not envy. It does not vaunt itself. It does not brag on itself. It is not puffed up or arrogant. It does not behave itself unseemly or rudely. It does not seek her own. It is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil, which means it keeps no accounts of evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. And here it is. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I've been called naive, foolish, but to the very end, even when I hear something about someone, my first reaction is to say, I refuse to believe it's true until I hear it from their mouth. And I make that phone call. I set up that meeting. Because love just believes the best. It wants the best. It hopes for even the best, even against hope. And if I think if we took that attitude a little bit more often where we believe the best about somebody rather than the worst, I think we'd be making a bit of a bigger difference in our world today. I want to challenge you as we worship the Lord. If, if God's been convicting you this morning about gossip or presupposition or slander, just repent. It's the only solution. Just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I change. I'm, I change my mind. It's, I thought it's been okay to, to talk to others and wag the tongue like this, but, but from this moment forward, I'm going to build people up and not tear them down. Amen? Let's worship the Lord. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.